Welcome to the Oswego Mortgage Podcast. Oswego Mortgage is Pacific Northwest's VA home loan specialist. For questions or help with your VA home loan, a new home purchase, or refinancing, call 503-697-7214 or go to oswegomortgage.com. Now with the owner of Oswego Mortgage, Tom Fitkin, here's your host, Luke Anderson. All right, welcome into the third episode of the Oswego Mortgage podcast. This is going to be episode two of a two-part series, the VA Home Loan. Uh, with me as always, Tom Fitkin. Tom, how are you doing today? Hey, Luke, I'm good. I'm good. I'm hoping you're doing the same. Yeah, I'm fantastic. Uh, getting ready for a little vacation myself. Uh, I think you're doing the same. So you and I are in uh, in a good spot right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You're going a little sooner than me, but uh, hey, we're all we got something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, so last week we talked about, or uh, last episode, I should say, we talked about the qualification uh, needs to to actually qualify for the VA home loan. Do you want to give a real quick recap for anybody that's listening to this and hasn't listened to that podcast yet? You know, I'm trying to recap that. You mean qualifications, you know, basically the steps you want to go through, I think you're talking about to get yourself pre-qualified out there to be a legitimate ready buyer, if you will. Uh, that yeah, well, that and the eligibility, the eligibility requirements uh, to, to get the VA versus a conventional loan. You know, Luke, it's interesting. Um, there's something that's changed since our last podcast on eligibility, which this is a rarity in the 27 years I've been doing this. And uh, we'll save this for the next one to give the specifics, but what it's doing in a, in a quick synopsis, not exact, but it's taken the National Guard and the reserves and uh, it's enabling them if they didn't have their full six years, but they spent some um, where they got called up, you know, time. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're not, there's going to be some situations now where a reservist or National Guard doesn't necessarily have to have the full six years if there was some uh, some some not sequences, but during their eligibility, during their time of being in the reserves or National Guard, they got called up. They went to make possibly even overseas, went to war. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be some stipulations that you meet that requirement and boom, man, now you get your benefit without having to wait the full six years, which I don't have all the specifics yet. I'm, I'm, I will by next time, but it's exciting for us because we have to turn a lot of those people, the phone calls to say, Hey man, you got to still wait, you know, another two and a half years, you're almost there. You know, make sure you do all your weekend drills and, and your two weeks so you don't you know miss out on any points so you're eligible at the end. So anyway, that's that's one thing I, I kind of got off subject. But in a nutshell, you got to be in active duty two years with an honorable discharge. Mm-hmm. And and then as a National Guard or reservist, it's it's the stipulation is six years. You have to always do your two weeks each year, your weekend drills. And so at the end of each year, you've accumulated the amount of points that gives you credit for, for a full year. And then at the end of the t- transaction and the end of the time frame, that, or I should say the time period that they've spent those six years at the end, they're going to get what's called like national guard will get what's called an NGB 22 form. It's um, Nancy, Bob, George 22, if you will. And that's like their discharge. And so mm-hmm. what we have to do is get that and their points summary statement. And that thing's really important because that shows that they did earn their points all of the, each six years. And if they didn't miss one of those years, they're not eligible. Okay. And so, yeah. So next time I'll bring you up to speed though on, on uh, the national guard reservist situation and, and what's changed to where 
I'm telling you, this is going to open up a lot of opportunity for veterans that don't quite have their six years or didn't get the full six years, but did some things during that time that's going to get them eligible. Well, that sounds like fantastic news anytime they're expanding this benefit to more people, because as we'll talk about today, the benefit's pretty incredible. And I know we teased it a little bit in the last episode, um, but Tom, what are the benefits that you're getting with a VA home loan versus any other type of loan? Well, first thing, interest rate and fees, you know, that's the beauty of it. Now, when I say fees, there is a hefty fee on a VA loan if uh, the veteran he or she does not receive any disability pay. And what I mean by that is, like, for instance, the first time a veteran uses his or her benefit, they buy a home, the VA is going to charge 2.3% of the loan amount of the sales price, if you will, because it's a zero down loan, unless they elect to put money down. Um, and so that gets financed on top. For instance, if you buy a $100,000 house, which obviously you can't do that here anymore, but your loan <laughs> would end up being 102300 You know, it gets it financed on top. So if they sell that house and they give you the second time, it's 3.6%, pretty hefty. So it'd be 103600 Now, what, what veterans don't understand sometimes is if they just put 5% down, um, that funding fee will always go down to one6 Okay. So it saves a lot of money, especially on the 3.6 when it's a second time or third time, whatever, subsequent use. So that's a, that's a good thing to remember as well. But the reason it's still worth going VA is because your interest rate is going to generally be three eighths to a half percent better and probably a half to one percent on the on the, you know, the fee, if you will, for the loan. So it pays itself back in a short period of time if you're going to be in that house for, say, two to three years. Um, you know, it's still worth going to uh, on. A, it's better to go VA from a finance standpoint. And you can you can pencil out all those numbers for somebody that maybe didn't follow along there uh, when they give you a call and, and kind of walk through this, right? Absolutely, yeah, uh, for sure. Perfect. So, uh, what about the eligible properties that you have uh, for for a VA home loan? Is there any restriction for the types of properties, condos, single family homes, townhomes? Any restrictions there? Well, you know, we we're fortunate. We we can offer. You know, all the way down, you know, like, like I say, all different types of properties out there from a, a condo. Now, condo is one that has some restrictions. The complex has to be approved. And it's a simple process, but a lot of times the HOA is just they're lazy and they don't get that complex approved. So it's not eligible for a VA home loan. Um, that's, that would be one. But we do, obviously, single family, multi, uh, duplex, triplex, fourplex, townhomes manufactured homes where you own the, uh, the land that it sits on, not in a park. Mm. Um, we've got great financing on all those. And, and um, a lot of times uh, there's just companies that don't do manufactured um, homes. And we've got some really, really great programs for, for those. We, we, we're be able to, we get a lot of phone calls where they, you know, Hey, I've called so-and-so and they say they don't do it. You guys do it. And they always get pretty excited when we can help them out on that because there's nothing wrong with a, a solid manufactured home out there. And a lot of times they're on land too. So it's nice. Well, and sometimes the manufactured home is a temporary home while you're building a dream home. Is that something that can uh, be set up that that entire process? Yeah, that's a really good question. Like, you know, like an example would be is if if a veteran went out there and bought a, um, you know, a, a manufactured home that, yeah, they wanted to build their dream home on that. One of two ways, they could do it zero down by that property and then go down the road when they're ready and get that construction loan. We're just going to have to have some skin into the game well, unless their property's appreciated so much, but generally a you know, new construction, they're going to want to see something in the game. So uh, is, uh, and what'll happen too, a lot of times um, when the new home is built, 
uh, unless there's a grandfather clause on that manufactured home, a lot of times you're going to have to be taken off or the kitchen taken out, you know, and certain parts of it to where it's not deemed a residence anymore mm. and they can use it for storage or what have you. But that's, that's going to be something that, you know, it's part of the process. But I think a lot of times people, uh, people will choose to have it removed or do just what I said, make it more of a storage unit and uh, build their dream home. But yeah, that's a good stepping stone to get into because a lot of times on those properties, you got to do, you know, down payment to get those and you can kind of secure that and, and set it up for your dream home down the road. And that is, that's, I think a lot of people do, 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 do that. You mentioned uh, the condos sometimes have uh, have to have the approval process. Have you ever run into a scenario where you've actually helped someone get a condominium property that they're looking at approved for a VA home loan? God, look at you, Luke. Look at you. <laughs> it's funny. I, you know, it's funny. The answer is yes. Actually, Dakota in my office is our guy. And I think last year we got, I think he got five or six con- uh, projects approved that hadn't been approved before. And so we know how to do it. You have to work directly with the Denver regional office. And we know those people there because we've just done these loans for so many years that, you know, they, they know our name out there. So we have a contact and what we do is we got to get the HOA, um, you know, excited about it, whoever's the president. And then sometimes they have to go and get, uh, you know, a vote, if you will, from the uh, condo owners, if that's something they want to do or not, which generally is never an issue. One thing, um, that they will do is, you know, there's stipulations that VA won't allow. And, you know, we don't, I, that'd be long to go into all those that they won't allow that complex. Sometimes some complex just have some things that VA doesn't like and they won't, they won't approve them. I would say that's less than 10%. Okay. But there are some like that as well. But pretty often it's just a matter of nobody's ever thought of getting it approved for a VA home loan before. Lazy, you yep. know, and, and the thing about it is, as a owner, you want to expand your market to buyers. Why wouldn't you want to have every type of loan capable on that property that would be allowed? You know, just that part never makes sense to me as a as a HOA. I would I mean if I if I was a president of HOA, of course I would push that because I, I'm in this business, but I'm not. Yeah, you mentioned duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. So those are purchased with the VA home loan, and that can become uh, passive income. Absolutely, and you can also qualify off the other units for income. In other words, if it's owner occupied, they're moving in, which it has to be on a VA loan. You have to move into the duplex, triplex, or fourplex. And then whether depending on how many other units you are, you can use 75% of the rent from those units. So if you get a thousand dollars a month rent, you get 750 credit income per month. So it's amazing. You you'd be amazed how um I, I've I've done so many like triplexes and fourplexes where by the time you get the rent income, they're living for zero to 500 bucks max a month. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic way. And at the end, what I like about it, Luke, is it, any person, but more so the veteran, it gets he or she ahead because they don't have to live there forever. You know, when they're ready to go do something different and they have enough equity, they can refinance it conventionally and go use their VA for now their single family dwelling. And, and not that the, the VA is into making, you know, a bunch of rental properties out there. I'm not saying that, but if their time goes by, and they're just ready for a change to go to single family, the VA is not going to hold them against it, you know, to do that a one-time thing like that, because it's a, it's a tr- uh, progression up, if you will. Now they have a rental property, they've refinanced and paid the VA off through a conventional loan, and they go use their VA again on the next purchase. It's, a, it's something that we've done many times over the years. And, and we talked about this a lot in the last podcast, just the, the, a lot of the 
lenders out there or the the mortgage folks like yourself and even even the veterans themselves don't fully understand how this loan works how often do you run into situations where you're having to kind of explain this to people because you've been doing it so long yeah i mean i don't ever like to be that guy if you will but you know <laughs> it comes a point where we're even underwriters like no no wait a minute this you're not right on this and don't don't take me offense to me saying this and here's why here's the page in the manual where it'll spell it out for you and i've been through this before i've seen the situation so i'm just telling you yeah yeah that happens and you know eligibility questions you know people don't even realize that hey i got a va loan back in texas you know can i use it up here well sure you can we got to see how much eligibility you have left and i can calculate out for you what you have remaining up to do for up to this amount on a zero down loan. But the cool thing about it is, you know, say they got a hundred grand, a hundred thousand dollar loan down in Texas and they come up here, there's a good chance they still can do three to $400,000. It's a calculation off the eligibility that's left and you get the certificate and you figure that out, but they can come up here and and keep that property down there, rent it out and and have two VA loans going at one time. And, And if they're short, Let's say they want that $400,000 house up here, but they only have 350. The cool thing about that is you can still do it with minimal down payment. Mm. You know, in that scenario, there's a $50,000 difference, right? 350 to 400. Yep. And what the VA what the VA would require would be 25% of that amount to go up to 400. So you have to put $12,500 down and then boom, you got to So there's there's yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of ins and outs of this loan that the veteran really doesn't have any idea that is part of the benefit or that they can, they can utilize. Interesting. Well, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause you mentioned, you know, in the, I think the, the, the first part of the question, one of the earlier questions that we answered, you mentioned that this is a lifetime benefit. It can be used multiple times. And now you've, you've set up two different scenarios within that. And this was a follow-up question I've kind of been thinking about, but you mentioned in the, you know, the multi-unit property, if you're using it as your primary residence, once you move out of there, you can transfer that to a conventional loan. In this last scenario, you're saying that you can actually split the the loan multiple times. So it sounds like there's a lot you can really do with this as far as the eligibility for that loans. Is there anything that we we missed in those three answers or do you want to condense no, it? No, no. Really what I'll tell you, Luke, is if a veteran's listening to this and they go, I do have a, you know, a VA loan down here, but I didn't know I could, you know, use it again or, or, or at the same time they, they call us and, and then we'll calculate out that number. I have, I have one of these going right now in Eugene. In fact, I helped the, this, uh, this gal, um, just an amazing woman that, uh, is a vet, obviously a veteran. And, and she graduated recently from, I think George Fox out here. And in the meantime, when she was going to school, she bought, um, a home, uh, using her VA out there, she was going to school. So now they kept it as a rental and her and her husband are moving down to Eugene. They both have, uh, she landed an amazing job down there. And so did, so did he. And so they have some remaining entitlement. And in this situation down in Eugene, you know, they're looking at the three, three fifty range. And I think their entitlement's closer to, I don't know, two, two fifty in that range. So where they're, they're having to come up with 25, 30 grand, which they're okay with, but they're going to be able to uh, have, you know, two homes now and both under the VA. So I, I literally, that's, I have one uh, that I state that, that I have this loan going right now. So we do these probably, I don't know, you know, at least one or two a month. And the, the loan isn't just for veterans, it's for their family as well. No, no, the VA is a VA loan where, um, meaning that if, if dad was a veteran, you don't get a VA loan also. Sure. You but what about spouse? I suppose. 
well, the spouse will be on the loan for sure. Um, like, like uh, her husband, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's on the loan. Um, he's, you know, he's, they're, they're co-borrowers. Okay. And, and what, what yeah, happened? That's a good, that's a, actually, Luke, that's a really good point. VA is the only loan, the only one that it has to be spousal if there's more than one borrower. Gotcha. Okay. And, and as far as the, you know, eligibility, you know, if something happens to the veteran, what would that do for the spouse? Oh, if they're both on the loan, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's his or her home. Okay. Now, now, for instance, for instance, and let's back up a sec here. Let's say you say something happened to the veteran. Mm-hmm. Let's say it was related to the military that he or she is receiving VA disability income on to where they can relate that to the cause of death. Then that's a whole new can of worms because that spouse has the ability to get the spousal uh, benefit. Okay. Uh, surviving spouse called surviving spouse benefit. And so they, he or she would receive a good portion of the disability income that he or she was receiving uh, before he or she passed away. And they, they will have that benefit to, to buy through the VA on a VA home loan the rest of their lives. Is there a difference difference between the benefits of uh, eligible, the benefits available for someone that is on military disability? Yes, there's no funding fee. You know that two point three percent and three point four percent. So it's big. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something right now that the VA probably won't be real happy with, but not really. I, I shouldn't say that. But you know, <laughs> well, you they know, are our the biggest VA, listeners. No, no, which is great. Which I mean, I say this, but I mean this because the majority of the veterans out there, if they just go get their ears checked, they're ten percent, and they got it. You know, and so. And it's, I'm telling you, they're, they're not, most veterans have some hearing uh, for obvious reasons, you know, training, you're around, whether you're on a ship, you're in a plane, you're on guns, you're on, you know, and, you know, all types of things that affect the ears. And, you know, I, I, I just think that a lot of times they're just too prideful. Nah, I don't, you know, deserve that 10% or don't want, you know, or don't want to go through the process because it, it is, it's, it's a, it's a process. It's a little cumbersome and it can be a little tough at times. Um, you know, they make it a little tough on making sure that all the paperwork's exactly the way it needs to be, even though, you know, it, it was the first time, but they say it way. I, and I, in other words, what I'm saying is they just have to be patient, go through the process. And which brings up another point too. It's not just hearing, but I mean, a lot of veterans just choose not to um, apply for it, you know, and that's, that's a personal choice. And I respect that. But at the same time, I always feel they deserve it. Yeah. yeah. These are earned, they, earned benefits, right? They've put in the the work yeah, and the, yeah. the they're surviving, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, whether it's hearing or whatever, you're, you're living with that. You might as well get the benefit of it. Yeah. And many of them have, you know, one way or the other, put their lives on the line, front line, all that, you know, they're just, it's just something that I feel strong about. But again, you know, you got a lot of pride in, in these veterans. And, and so a lot of times they just don't apply, but yeah, so that's the difference between you know having ten percent. That's the rule, by the way. If you're ten percent or more rated on disability income, then you get that funding fee waived always. And and saving you know two percent on a hundred thousand dollar loan or a five hundred thousand dollar loan is a pretty dramatic difference. Well, well, Luke, think about it. Our average price is between four and five hundred now. So mm-hmm. say four, say five hundred thousand, three point six percent. Yeah, you do the math. You know, it, it's so, yeah, it's significant and, you know, it's, it's worth their while. Now, another thing I'll bring up and if a veteran's listening and they're going, damn, I should do, oops, excuse my language. Sorry about that. But <laughs> I, 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 uh, I um, you know, if they're saying, yeah, I should go do this. I, I should have a long time ago. Well, you know, 
when you, even if, let's say you let's say you have a home already and you want to go refinance, but you see that 3.6% funding fee. Wow, that's tight. I, that's, I get to get the best rate, but that's really expensive. What the veteran doesn't know also is if he or she applies for that disability claim prior to closing on a refinance or a purchase for that matter, for any loan, and they get awarded it later, that funding fee gets 100% reimbursed. Wow. So, so I've, you know, I've had several people, you know, tell me, yeah, I should get disability. I'm like, well, why don't you? Ah, I just don't. Well, do you realize if you, you, you got at least 10%, you no, you're kidding me. So I, I'm not telling you, I can tell you a story real quick about two years ago, local guy here in the Portland area. He, um, you know, he's, he's, he did a, he, I did a loan prior that I didn't do. And they called me, I think to do a VA streamline an Earl rate reduction. And I looked at it and I said, you know, it looks like you paid a funding fee last time um, on your, and you go, I, I understand, I see that you're a disabled veteran. You won't have a funding fee. Why'd you pay a funding fee last time? He goes, oh, well, you know what? I, I just hadn't got my claim yet. You know, I, I didn't get my claim yet. And this is, by the way, this is like an $800,000 loan. Oof. And so he, he, I say, well, did you apply, possibly apply for that disability claim before that you, it was, I think it's when he bought the house actually, before he goes, oh yeah, it was going on for like six months. I actually got reimbursed. Uh, back to six months, I said, I said, uh, Jim, you gotta, you gotta apply to get this reimbursed. The guy got a twenty-six thousand dollars check. I think it was twenty-six, twenty-some thousand dollars reimbursed because he had applied before that previous loan. And they're not going to call you up and say, Hey, I, I you realize I you applied before this. We're going to send you that funding feedback. They're not going to do that. You got to be, you got to be savvy and know the rules. And so. He was super grateful. And that's happened several times over the years in different situations that we've gotten uh, those refunded for people. Well, I'll be honest with you, Tom. There has been a lot of instances in this podcast where you have said that reminds me of something. So it gives me the indication that there are countless scenarios uh, that that have uh, uh, endless variables. Uh, So I think the most important thing that our listeners can do is have a conversation with you and the team at Oswego Mortgage. Whatever their situation is, in 25 years of doing this, you guys have seen it all, you've done it all, and and even if something is unique, you're going to be able to help walk them through the process. Does that sound right? Yeah, it does. It's funny you remind me of something because we have a we have a. <laughs> There's we're, another we're one. Tight. You reminded me of something. Yeah, I did it again. I did it again. But we do. We we have a tight group here at Oswego Mortgage, and a lot of times we'll spend the five to six o'clock hour just winding down and you know BSing a little bit, if you will. And Jackson and myself in the office have said for, gosh, the last handful of years, Tom, when we're done, we're retired and we've let the young guys, you know, move on and take this thing over. We got to make a sitcom on the mortgage. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you, because what may remind me of what it was, that was you just saying, you must have countless, you know, and we do, we could go on and on about, I mean, it's a people business. And, and so we see it all. Um, we help, we try to help everyone as as hard as we can equally always. And, you know, some people are uh, more organized than others. Some people are friendlier than others. Some people are overly, you know, just, just different scenarios that it's part of our business on a daily basis, which is really what I I love that part about the business, but yeah, it's funny. We're, we're, uh, we make notes and we, we, so we've, we've got about uh, 35 uh, sitcom right now, uh, (laughs) episodes ready. <laughs> Got the, the episodes are ready. Well, that'll give us plenty of ammunition for the podcast as it continues forward. Um, I, I, I'm excited about next week because 
it sounds like, um, you know, at the beginning you mentioned that there is an expansion of the eligibility to this benefit, which is uh, only good news. But if you have questions about your VA home loan or your VA home loan eligibility, call or go online to oswegomortgage.com. Uh, you know, talk to Tom. Talk to Tom and his team. That's really the best place to start. Would you add anything else, uh, Tom, as a recap? Yeah. Well, you said team. My team's my team's awesome. So they are uh, right up there with myself, knowledge-wise, integrity, all that. And so I. Uh, I cherish that part. I'm super lucky with the staff we have at Oswego Mortgage. Okay. In the next episode, we'll have all those details on the new expansion. Um, Go back and listen to the previous podcast if you'd like any more information or pick up the phone. Uh, Tom, thanks again. Uh, Always a pleasure to join uh, you on this podcast, and uh, I'll see you for the next one. Hey, thanks, Luke. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Oswego Mortgage Podcast. For more info or questions about today's topic, your VA home loan, a new home purchase, or refinancing, call 503-697-7214 or go to oswegomortgage.com.